0: Would be such a misfit. Hollywood
1: Babylon can't resist it. Fuck a cop, bitch! I'm ducking all these piglets.
2: Welcome to the Tableboard Misfits Podcast. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. I'm going joined by my co-host, Gunnar Michelle. Hey guys, what's up? All right, everybody. Well, uh, man, we just got to tell y'all, it's been absolutely fucking awesome. All the feedback we've been getting on Facebook, um, tons and tons of instant messages and whatnot. And uh, the stories that are coming in are really fucking cool. And uh, so we're going to go over some of that stuff at a, at a little later date. But we just want to let y'all know that we're getting back to you as quick as we can and all the uh, all the stories are pretty awesome. We're loving all of the uh, all the love that we're getting from everybody. I um, just wanted y'all to continue to share out the show, get it out, get it all your friends, and and help us with this movement. But uh, anyways, today is a uh, today's a pretty special fucking day for us. Um, we uh, we have a special guest coming on today that uh, for me is a personal treat because this guy has literally been with me since before my fire career um he knew me when i was a little punk ass kid in high school and uh stirring up all kinds of shit getting in trouble for driving way too fast or around the loop in our hometown and it's just been really cool uh he's been a personal mentor for me and um coached me throughout promotional processes and pretty much everything and we've become really good personal friends over the last 10 years or so and it's just been it's been really cool and uh, an awesome growing environment so um uh, I want to introduce you all to uh, to Sean Black. He is a uh, Master Firefighter, Master Investigator, Master Inspector, Fire Instructor 2, Officer 2, has his degree in Fire Administration, and he's a Hazmat Incident Commander, plus a whole shitload of other certs and stuff, but that's just a little bit of his resume and his bayou, so he knows what the fuck he's talking about. But uh, anyways, welcome, Sean.
3: Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah,
2: that's man. Looks uh, like
3: you did a background check on me. Yeah, a little bit,
2: a <laughs> little bit. Uh just make it where uh, can't nobody talk any shit. <laughs> oh, they'll find a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. But uh, you got the paper to back it up, man. And uh, it's uh, it's been pretty cool. It's it's been a real, real awesome time getting to know you over the last ten, fifteen years. I think we met when I was like a freshman in high school, or maybe a sophomore. And you were uh, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, I'm coming over there. I, uh, I got to park when I was in high school at the fire station just through my dad and, and all the guys and stuff. They let me park there, and you know the station is right there in front of the high school. And uh, so I come in there, and Sean and all them catching me when I'm cutting fucking class, and they're like, Mr. Murder, where are you going? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, i got to run home real quick and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty funny. Um, old Big Worm used to light my ass up. <laughs> He's still there.
3: Yeah. He's over at the high school now
0: oh that's
2: right that's right yeah i forgot he was working over there Uh, i haven't seen him in a long time but yeah it was pretty cool it was a cool experience and then uh i just gotta tell you man fuck you for fire academy (laughs) sorry
3: man (laughs) oh have you you listened to your own podcast yeah bro you you need
2: that (laughs) oh i know everybody needs a little bit of it but holy shit sean was rough during hell week he was rough uh You know, it actually took me several years to get over my shit of uh, hearing a pass device and then, like, dropping down doing fucking (laughs) push-ups.
3: It is what it is, but, you know, that's how I was brought up. So, it's, you know, if we don't share what we learn with the people that we're bringing up, then we can't gripe.
2: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
3: That's 100% the truth. So uh
2: anyways man, well we uh we brought you on and uh you know you just throughout everything and, and all of our uh you know, our relationship, our experience together, you've just always been a real a real good mentor and, and a real principle driven, moral driven man around around myself, uh my family, and my kids, you know, you you got your youngest daughter's the same age as mine, so You know we we were around each other just the kids playing and everything and and you've always set a real good example of what i thought that a good officer should be and now a chief um and so it just uh, it's really cool for me to get to bring you on and and be our first guest and and just kind of get to pick your brain and stuff on what you see in the fire service what you see as far as men coming into the fire service young and old and and uh just kind of things that you you're passionate about and all that so we, uh, we've we kind of jotted down some questions for you. Going to try to put you through the ringer a little bit today.
3: But, uh, yeah, for starters, man, just tell us like where you grew up and all that. All right. All right. Well, I grew up uh, in Huffman, Texas. It's about 11 miles east of Umble. Uh, I'm an old hat. <laughs> I graduated high school in Huffman um, in 1993. I don't even think you were born yet. Oh, I was born, but I... <laughs> I was maybe in Little League. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's, that's where I grew up. I moved to Nacogdoches in 98, that when I got accepted to the Fire Academy in Kilgore. And my current wife, my <laughs> wife, my only wife, uh, was going to school here. So I did kind of chase her. Uh, instead of going all the way to Kilgore, I stopped in Nacogdoches, and I just made the drive. Uh, to the academy, so that could be around her. But uh went to the fire academy, uh, took my EMT class. I ended up getting hired in Nacogdoches in 2000, and uh, she was still in school, and our plan the whole time was to go back to Houston. Whenever she got done with school, we were moving home. Well, when she got done with school, I had already promoted. And I know that sounds odd because I did get promoted fast from firefighter to driver um, I did a lot of my learning as a driver but when she got out of school I was already a driver and so we just had to weigh our options do I want to go start all over or what does the future look like here and we ended up staying so I've been in Akkadocha since 98 so I've been here longer than I was <laughs> where I grew up so I, I, I'm from here so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll take you. We'll take you. Yeah, I was gonna say that's uh especially back in that
2: time period, um promotions were it was a whole lot different ball game. You didn't have the growth in the fire service like you do now and you probably would have been if you did start over it'd have been a pretty significant
3: wait period. Yeah, yeah it was because you know the whole plan was to go to H F D and boy, I'm glad I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know right now you would <laughs> nothing against hfd i love them but after their little turmoil that they had oh yeah with the pinch and stuff because you would have
0: you'd have um, been hit
2: you'd been right there getting ready to go on the drop and it would have hit you and mm-hmm. right in the mouth yeah i was about to say you're right at that time period of the guys that really got fucked mm-hmm. you just if you'd have been a little bit older you had been you had been better off but yeah you're right there so
3: anyway did you grow play any sports growing up yeah i love baseball that's That's my go-to. I played football, but I was, you know, six foot, weighed a buck 25. And so, I mean, I was a wide receiver and, you know, I was little. So, I realized whenever I got to high school that everybody else grew and I didn't. So, it's time to move on. It's hard getting hit by them big boys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> every time you go across the middle i can hear the linebackers licking their chops So i was like ah, i think i'm good but baseball is my all-time favorite sport love playing it played softball as an adult uh, until you know it got harder for me to recover is this uh <laughs> so. is this
2: church league softball or drunk league softball both oh yeah <laughs> that's what i'm talking about um well that's awesome man uh what a uh, so, you've been at Max since 2000, you got 22 years in,
3: huh? Yeah. I started in June 1st of 2000, and I got married December the 2nd of 2000. So, my marriage and my career have gone hand in hand since the beginning. So, you can't fuck either one up? Mm mm. No. <laughs> it
2: cost me way too much money. I know that's right. <laughs> well, what, uh, I mean, I know, but for the listeners, what all, uh, you know, you've held every rank, firefighter. Did you, were you a chauffeur or EO? What did they call it when you were?
3: Uh, It began as a chauffeur, but they changed it to uh, driver-operator. Okay. Um, And then, you know, over the years. So when I started, it was firefighter, chauffeur, lieutenant. Okay. And then in order to get in line with uh, salary surveys and pay scales based on other departments, you know, they were lining our lieutenants up with lieutenants at other departments, which were actually drivers. Right. Right. So we changed to... Firefighters, driver operators, captains, and that's the captain was station officer, and so it lined up when we did a salary survey. We were getting apples to apples and not something else. Yeah, so, for sure, especially with a not a huge department that's running like a lieutenant on the
2: pumper and a captain on the ladder or whatever. Y'all were doing captains were over the whole station, no matter what apparatus you're on.
3: Yes, and our and at our department because we only have five stations, uh, a battalion chief. Um, it kind of works like a district chief in Houston. They're right. over, you know. Now, for us, it's a shift supervisor. So, because there's only five, we're over the whole city when it's our day. So, <laughs> County, too, really. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but
0: uh,
2: yeah, I'm about to say, I, I met you, what, you were like a year one, year two captain, I think. That would have been like, oh, six, mm-hmm. somewhere around Year there. one. Year one, okay.
3: Yeah, so – I did promote relatively fast but it was it was not necessarily because I was chasing it it was because of lack of options like so when I promoted a driver our rule was if there's not enough or no one if no there's no one to test or everyone fails the test then they drop back a year and pick up everybody that's eligible because back then you had to be a, a firefighter for at least two years before you could promote. Okay. So at that time the the old hand firefighters didn't want to promote. So there was nobody. So they dropped back and picked up a few of the they dropped back a year and picked up a few of the younger guys and I tested and that's when I promoted. So I I spent a year and a half as a firefighter, but it was a hard year and a half. I was was, gonna say
2: back in that time period there was a ton of old heads in in your department. I mean that was
3: And back (laughs) then when you started you started on the rescue truck, downtown fire station, balls to the wall, all the time. And and we ran we ran our butts off. And you know, the rescue truck at our department runs all rescues in a 960 square mile county. So you got your hands you get your hands dirty. Um, then when I promoted, I was a driver for almost five years. or ride right at five years. Okay. Um, so I, I spent a lot of my time evaluating captains, evaluating leadership styles, reading, learning, you know, talking to the old hands about situational awareness scenarios, things like that. And so I was just – grabbing everything anything and everything i could grab uh to make my own and then when i promoted to captain in 2006 i was a captain for uh i guess it would be 14 years i was a captain riding i'm gonna say it was a long time Mm -hmm. yeah i rode at every station i rode on every truck um our apparatus um my last assignment at a station was on the rescue truck. I spent about five years or so there, uh, and then I promoted to battalion chief, and I've been one for a little over two years now. So
2: okay. Yeah, so you mean as a captain, you, you went to the hottest house and ran the hottest apparatus to finish it? Out. Voluntarily.
3: Yeah. Yeah, because you had seniority. Well, so the captain that was there, he, he was the senior captain. I was, I was at uh, station four. And when he retired, you know they they give you the option to put in for whatever. If there's a vacancy, you get an option, and then the, whoever's a the senior person gets that spot. Mm-hmm. And when he retired, I put in for it to come down there, and so got on the rescue truck, was running it, and then started the uh, shadowing program with the battalion chief to be the relief supervisor on shift, and then. When he retired, I ended up promoting. I got you. Cool.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought.
3: <laughs> I was saying the whole <laughs> time I've known you either been at fours or at fives. So, but I worked at all of them. So, and and, and I kind of, you know, I kind of pride myself on it because it wasn't because people were tossing me around. It was filling a need, and it just happened to work out. When you promote, if nobody puts in for that spot, that's the spot you go to. Because mm. they offered up, you know, like. Okay, there's a driver's spot on C shift station three. If anybody wants it, put in for it. If nobody want, nobody puts in for it. Then whoever's promoting goes there.
2: Oh, okay. That way you're not having to bump a guy from the station they want to be at.
3: That's right. And I got so, you. So it gives the senior guys an opportunity. If they hate their station, they can move. They're not married to it. And then you know the new guy, you just get what you get. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, by saying
2: I like it that they're going online, you know, they're not sending them to the administration to go ride out, sit on their ass, or whatever. Like if they're a new captain and they're rolling into that rank, they gotta go do the job.
0: So yeah. their
2: time in that job isn't counting, you know, if they're sitting in a there's a big difference of sitting in an office somewhere, you know, as a quartermaster or whatever as a captain versus being online and actually really running the calls. I, I think that's yeah. cool. because um, I know a lot of places that, that do the
3: the other and yeah. That that time doesn't necessarily count the same. Yeah. And I actually worked on all three shifts at every station. I've been to all of them twice. Wow! So
0: I've made my rounds,
3: and I know the city, and I know the districts, and I know exactly what goes on at those stations. And I know, you know, I feel like I I, I know the workings of each station individually. It just sounds like you've been passed around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it works, it, man. That is uh, what it is. You got to take the, you got to take the good with the bad, though. You know, so. You know, I've had good stations, I've had bad stations, I've had good captains, I've had bad captains. You've got to absorb all that and take it in and then make it your own Mm -hmm. and do what you think is right. Yeah. So,
2: I was going to say that's one of the biggest takeaways I took just from from knowing you as long as I have, and that's one of the big things you preach is build your own shit off of all your experiences, good and bad, or whatever, from people you work for and, and create your own, whether it's your own captain style or whether it's your own... Driver, chief style, whatever you make it yours, and that way you have the passion and the desire to want to do that job because it's yours. You're not just, you know, a blank cam, or you, you know, just a, a blank person sitting there trying to fill somebody else's
3: shoes, and no one can do that. Yeah, you don't want to regurgitate something, you, you know, like y'all were talking about And uh, I think it was the rookie one hundred and one. You, you, your reputation, mm-hmm. you know, you create your own reputation. Now, I, you know any of us along your career you're building that well that carries into the leadership role too so how they view you as a firefighter is going to carry to leadership role unless you are actively doing things to you know to mold something new or mm-hmm. to enhance what you already have so yeah if, if you're a turd as a firefighter they're going to treat you as a turd as a captain or as a battalion chief, but if you work along the way, then you'll make your own path. Right. So what, uh
2: I, mean, I know you were talking about, you know, you, that you promoted quickly and stuff. Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious you, speaking on that, you, you really remained a, a big student of the job. You didn't get the position. You're like, alright, I made it. You know, you stayed stayed engaged and stayed pushing. I mean, I know you still are now, uh, even as a, as a battalion chief, but you you know, you made that rank, but then you continued your education and you you sought out experience from others. You just kept building and stuff, huh?
3: Yes, absolutely. Because as a firefighter, I didn't know shit. I knew nothing, and so I came in and I got hammered, like just <laughs> drilled, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Uh, and then when I promoted, my thought process was okay. You don't just promote to driver. You're promoting to driver-slash-station officer because when that captain's off, you fill that role. Right. I had a year and a half. I I had an oh-shit moment. Like, I was like, uh, okay, I'm in charge of this truck when they're off. So I had to make sure that I was staying on top of the game on what to do, how to do it, you know, different things. As simple as reading smoke or, you know, how to operate a rescue tool, up-to-date on the cars that you're cutting up, you know, whatever, because my job was to make sure that the people with me went home. I don't want to raise their kids. I got, I got four of my own. I don't want to raise anybody else's kids. I don't,
2: I don't want to do that. He's, he's, trying, to get them, he's so, trying to get
3: them moved out. So, <laughs> so that's the ultimate goal, and you have to have that mindset, and I, I think I've always kept that mindset that, my job is not to you know, holler at people and do, do go do this, go do that, go do this. It's, it's to make sure that you have the things that you need to do your job because then that will make my job easier. But in, when it's all said and done, if you're on a 24-hour shift, 48-hour shift, whatever, that you go home and you can be a dad, a husband, a son, a brother, whatever, to whoever's in your family and it's not me having to go over there checking on them all the time because, you know, something I did created a situation where you're not here anymore. So,
2: yeah, that's a fucking, that's a, yeah. that's <laughs> as real as it gets, yeah, honestly. True. I mean, yeah. that's a, that's a weight that I wish a lot of people kind of carried in that sense. Cause I mean, that's, that's really how it is. Yeah, You, you exactly. tell, tell somebody turn right and they should turn left and that costs you. Well, you got to face that wife, that mom, those kids, everything. I mean, that's <laughs> – That's
3: right. And for the rest of your life, you're going to carry that because we are brotherhood, and it don't matter. If, if you stub your toe because of something I did, then I'm going to that, – that's on me. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know. So, I stayed a student to the game as a driver, and I, I just squeezed people for information. You know, the old hats. They'll tell their stories mm-hmm. and they'll tell their experiences, but they won't necessarily tell you, you know, information unless you are asking about it. You know. Like right now. I mean, yeah. If y'all y- y- y'all ask a question, you're you're squeezing me for information like otherwise I'm just rambling rambling. Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> the think that's part of the legacy of the fire service, is that it's just kind of I don't think they designed it to be that way, but that's just how it ended up, you know, as far as passive of uh, information, you know. it's not. There is formal ways about it, but what you cherish and what you actually take from is the conversations that we're having now. Oh, yeah, this know? is a tabletop.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is this is a kitchen table. I, I mean, that's why I said what I said about uh, all the lessons learned come from that. And I know some of the guys you rode with, and they were fucking smoke eaters, and they were around before air packs. They were around when shit... And there was no staffing, so they really, really knew how to cowboy some shit. They knew how to read stuff that most of us have probably lost in translation at this mm-hmm. point because it's been 20 years. I mean, a lot's happened since then. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's just – it's freaking awesome.
1: Yeah. Going back to your leadership styles, did you focus a lot of your education on leadership or was it much just watching what other people did and kind of coming up with your own?
3: Uh, so I didn't actually get my degree until well after I was a captain. Um, so I mean, yeah, the classes are great, and they teach you information, but it's not—it's not always real world. Mm-hmm. Like, so learning from the guys that are doing the job, been doing the job. I mean, we got guys that our department fortunately had not very much turnover. So it was guys hired in the '70s and '80s that retired like within the last five or ten years. Yeah, very. Yeah, you know, so it's like there's no turnover so there's a pile of information right there uh that that you can draw from but my leadership style i i don't know maybe maybe i'm different maybe i'm doing it wrong i don't know but i i i want to be like i said i want to make sure you got what you need to Mm -hmm. do your job because my personal opinion if i got a tell you how to ventilate a roof i may as well go do the damn thing myself absolutely (laughs) So i mean if 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 i say you know uh meredith go go ventilate i'm done talking about it like go go do it and come tell me when you're done with it because i got other things i gotta do holler at me Uh, when you're off the roof (laughs) yeah so uh and i don't know a lot of people lose sight of that um it's not rocket science it's it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. it's managing people and and the thing is you said it in your last podcast we are alphas all of us so an alpha getting another alpha to do something takes a little bit of a not not trickery it just you gotta finesse it yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what i'm saying like hey, motherfucker no there's times you know <laughs> and, and that's the thing and i've always been like that like So when I was a captain, I would always sit down day one with my crew around the table. All right. I always led with, what do you expect of me as your captain?
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Because ultimately, I'm responsible for y'all. So what do you expect of me so that I can make sure that we're a cohesive unit and we're working together? When the guys got done telling me their stuff, I said, okay, now here's what I expect of you expect you to know your job you're the driver I expect you to know the streets I expect you to know that truck inside and out I expect you to know where the equipment is when we leave at fire ground you better have all our stuff
0: mm-hmm.
3: as a firefighter you're on my hip we're going uh i don't know it's, it's it's hard to say because like when i became captain i didn't quit doing things but I stepped out of the way mm-hmm. so like You know, you go from firefighter, especially in a small department, you jump out of the truck, you get the nozzle, you're running. Well, I jumped out of the truck. You get the nozzle. I'll point where I want us to put the fire out. Mm -hmm. And so, and that was my my deal because you're a firefighter. You're looking at the fire. You're, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. You're tunnel vision. There's fire. Boom, boom. My job is to look. Outside of the fire to see if a post is shifting and collapse is imminent or whatever. So I moved out of the way, backed up. I was still there, still going. And I would grab the nozzle in a second if you lay it down. <laughs> Don't lay your tool down. But, but the, the last thing that I would say around that kitchen table is we've grown up here. We're We're family. We're friends do not put me in a position to be your boss because I will be your boss every single time because this feeds my family. This takes care of my family, my stuff. And you know, the rules you're grown, you know, you're an alpha mm-hmm. lead.
1: Yeah. No,
3: I
2: completely agree.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What, um, what uh? What was the hardest position so far that you've held, like, of all the ranks?
3: Well, they all come with their own challenges. So uh, if I had to pin it down to one thing, it would probably be captain was my hardest. And, and I'll, I'll get to it just a second. A firefighter, <laughs> I didn't know anything, so I was just like... Lost, like it was hard. (laughs) Like I had to learn everything. Right. And whenever I was coming up, we didn't do station rotations or anything. You had to learn the streets in the whole city from one station.
0: Oh shit! And we were
3: tested off on it. And we didn't go drive the state the streets.
0: No, it was in your lap.
3: Yeah, it was in my lap. Like we would drive my district, but all the surrounding districts. You better be looking at that map and learn it, and you better know where to go because we didn't have all the cell phones and all that stuff where you can, you know, hey, I don't want her to answer. I was going to say, hey, Siri, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no joke. Yeah, no active 911, <laughs> no, no responder 360, all that mm-hmm. shit. That- and my captain and driver, um, when we when those bells rang, we ain't stopping at the map to look at it. You better know it. Yeah. Nice. And, <laughs> and so that, that's just how I was brought up. Did y'all have key maps? No, no. Oh, okay. Mm -mm. Like when I got when I got hired, they handed me a a freaking welcome to Nacogdoches map, and you (laughs) opened it up. (laughs) Uh. You opened it up and you started learning streets. You figured out your learning style and how to learn those streets, and you had to tell them where it started and stopped. And the block numbers will get you. Ass. And, that, and, and that's all fine and dandy, but we got a couple streets that break five times.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So you had to tell them it starts here and it goes to here, and then it breaks and it goes from here to here, and then it breaks and it goes from here to here, and you know, so firefighter was tough just because I, I was new. Driver, it, it had a little challenge one because I promoted so fast, um, but pumping the truck. Not a problem. Well, now I'm in that leadership role, riding that seat whenever the captain was off. So I had that challenge of making sure that I knew what I was doing. Captain was different because we were all friends, so it's, there's a book out from buddy to boss. So there's a transition there. Like, we're we're friends, but now I'm the supervisor. And so... That, that was the biggest challenge right there. And then battalion chief is not crazy just because you got – at my department we got five people that I have to deal with. I just have to learn their styles and go with it. But, uh, you know, and each one of them have their own style. Like, you know, some of them are easygoing. Some of them are, are headstrong. Some of them are just – you know, old hats. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's where your challenge is, is. Whenever you promote past the seniority, that's where the challenge comes <laughs> in. When you promote past the seniority, well, now you're a, you know, I was a, a six year six year guy in charge of a twenty five year firefighter, mm-hmm. and my driver at the time had forty years in. Oh shit. How did I tell that guy what to do? Yeah, <laughs> well, I had to figure it out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fortunately, he was a great dude, and uh, it was easy. But, <laughs> but still, like I got stationed with him, and he he's at the time I think he had thirty-five years in, and I had six. Yeah. Shit, What am I going to tell this guy that yeah. he hadn't seen already? Exactly. But I, had, I had to figure it out, but we, you know, we had an understanding, and he shared his experiences with me as we're going to different things, and I just took it all in and he knew his truck Mm -hmm. he knew that's where he was at he was a driver for 30 years so
2: So y'all didn't have to uh so when i promoted they forced uh you were forced to move so like i had to move shifts and stations
3: yes so we did we had that we had that in place um but I, i when i made driver i bounced around when i made captain i bounced so oh, some place like, that knew everybody. Now, whenever I'm a battalion chief, I had to leave my shift. Okay. So, but when we had that meeting and, that, you know, it, we had a meeting to maneuver some people around and everything. And I feel like at the time, the leadership that was there, the other battalion chiefs and things like that, um, the senior guys, they looked at various things and tried to place certain people on my shift to help me, you know, as a new... So they kind of took care of me. I mean, I got a jam up shift. Like, I I love them. Those (laughs) guys are awesome. Uh, They handle their business, they know what they're doing, and, you know, three three of the guys on my shift are uh, the top three guys in the department, seniority-wise. So... I mean, they know just, their shit. Just those three guys have uh, seventy years. Damn. <laughs> seventy years experience. In just those three. <laughs> I got one station that has sixty years experience at it. I mean, that's awesome. When you don't have a retention problem, when that's what you can get. When you're, when you're brand new in a chief's position, that's that's a benefit because you got guys that are not going to get you in a jam because they know they know what they're doing. Oh, absolutely! Okay. I about
2: to say yeah. When I promoted my very first uh, EO, he had like fourteen years in. He had been driving for six or seven of that. So you couldn't ask for a better a better right hand guy. Whenever you got all these people in the room that <laughs> can help you, that's yeah. a, that's now, a pretty significant difference.
3: Now I was thrust into a couple of uh, scenarios uh, <laughs> that expedited the learning process. Um, you know, I had I had a a driver fall off a truck and with a significant head injury that we had to deal with right then right now uh and ultimately he was going to retire anyway but he had to stick around another year or so to uh recover and then he retired but uh so there were some scenarios there where you have to uh you have to jump up and man up real quick mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Yeah figure that shit out <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so going back to that transition, uh, I kind of dealt with that And I was in the Marines, you know, and I picked up a sergeant. But it's really a respect. It's kind of how you transition into that clearly. I mean, my guys already respected me as their peers, so when I went to the sergeant's rank, nothing much changed. But if there was – if I wasn't such a respectable person as mm-hmm. a, you know, corporal or below moving into that sergeant's rank, they wouldn't have respected me then. That's the only thing that I think had going for me whenever I moved into that ring.
2: So, <laughs> We, uh, you know, talking last shift about our uh, last uh, podcast, we were talking about, you know, fucking shit up. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one thing that was a learning curve for me because uh, when I promoted uh, at the department that I ended up actually, you know, promoting all the way through, um, I went from a shift of guys where, you know, we were fucking basically playing rock, pepper, scissors. When we showed up to work, because we were at the fucking bar all night the night before of who's going to check the truck off. You know, that's one thing that I fucked up is, mm-hmm. is having to learn, learn the hard game on, on being a young man and partying and shit like that um, with, with your crew because that's your guys. I mean, you know, that's who you hang out with outside work, so you going fishing with and all that kind of shit. Um, and, yeah, we, were, we would, were that tight. You know, everybody's wives knew each other. We're going out, drinking, partying, all this kind of stuff. And then, uh, then you're in that leadership role, and them guys got dirt on you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and that was a hard lesson for me to learn uh, later throughout my career. Was uh, like I don't, I don't drink with with people that I, I work with. Not, I damn sure don't drink with bosses
0: because uh,
2: <laughs> uh, that should get you in a bind. But then, yeah, I don't, I don't drink with subordinates either because uh, uh, that that shit. You know, it's, it's really hard to be accountable and, and hold somebody to disciplinary action when they show up hungover, and you know they're hungover, and they're a driver, and you're like, dude, you can't pass a fucking breathalyzer. And I know you can't, but you're my boy. So it's a, you know, that's the kind of shit they throw you in an interview for an administrative question or whatever, but, but that's a real, that's a morality conflict. I mean, mm. you're like, fuck, you know, I know what you're doing. Fuck, I was sitting beside you. <laughs> so what do you do, you know? And, uh, so that, that, uh, the, the department I was at when they, uh, when I promoted the captain and stuff that, that did do the forced moves, that was kind of a, that was a breath of, of a sigh of relief, honestly, because yeah, you're going over there with a group that you're not that close with. So that, that buddy to shit is real. Yeah. Um, especially whenever you're, you're young and not making the best decisions. Uh, because some, some of them guys, they can burn you hard. Oh, yeah. You know, we're talking about uh, uh, being men and, and learning shit the hard way. I mean, some of those guys in, in fire department, men in particular, are fucking ruthless. Oh, yeah. And you start pissing them off because they are alphas. It's not just, hey, we're going we're gonna to fuck them at the station. You piss a guy off and you make him lose his job, he's going to come after you on a personal level. And if he knows you were cheating on your wife or texting somebody you were not supposed to, shit like that, it can get ugly quick. Um, you know and that's all lessons that I think everybody has learned throughout life and and stuff like that of things that are acceptable not acceptable stuff like that Um, but when you're that tight knit with people people can you learn those the kind of intimate details about other members on your crew what's going on and stuff yeah Um, what uh, Sean what kind of stuff I mean you
3: you ever been hit hard with anything like that like any kind of Major morality, not not personally. Like so, you know, everybody's young and stupid. But when I made the decision to get married and to start in the fire service, I made the decision to get married and start in the fire service. And so, uh, you know, my wife is my best friend, and still, 22 years later. Um, but I see. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Seen it all over the fire department. Uh, people I was close with, issues. You know, and you just got to keep that stuff out. Keep it out of the house because uh, if you're somebody that's doing that stuff, you're putting other people in a in a bad situation because now, you know, if you if you're running around on your wife and she comes and asks me something, and I know it. Well, now I'm in a situation where, you know, we're <laughs> close to protect you, but my honor is to speak the truth. You know what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. Because like,
1: yeah, that's your family, too. You're, you're, your, your, family's your family is your family, whether you like it or not.
3: Mm-hmm. So you're not just doing it to your spouse or whoever. You're doing it to everybody that's in your, in your fire department family. Because now they're put to a a test of their own to challenge their morality on whether to say something or not say something. So keep it out. Keep it out of the house. Uh, You know, your business is your business.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: I don't need to know your business like that. I (laughs) I need to know that when you show up to work, your mind is right and you're ready to go. And if you're not, then we can do something, you know, about it. Mm-hmm. But I need you ready to, to handle business. And it's not always like that. Everybody has bad days. Everybody comes in. You know, I heard you say that even when you're having a bad day, you come in, you you talking shit, and, you know, you're you're you at the mm-hmm. station. Your business is your business outside. Okay? Unless when it starts affecting me, then there's a problem yeah i agree because that's not my problem you know (laughs) yeah i have a wife that i love and i've been with you know a long time i was gonna say
2: that's one of the main things i wanted to to really dive in with you on that because uh you're really truly the only person that I, i think i actually know especially on a personal basis that's been married to the same woman your entire fire career um you know i i went through a divorce uh t- tons and tons of my friends have gone through divorces and just all that kind of stuff and then i mean even like i talked about in the one one show uh you know i worked for a chief that he literally had a mindset of oh you're not a real fireman you've been divorced at least once um and that's something that to me just truly strikes a nerve now that i'm older uh you know i have a healthy marriage now my last uh, captain position, I definitely had a a complete different mindset than I did whenever I was younger, especially when it came to all that kind of the games and the you know people people playing around, having a little side fun and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I that's one of the deals I'd I'd lay down when I had my expectations. taught. you know, I don't care who you are, don't care what you're doing, fuck who you want outside of here, all that kind of shit. That's your business. Don't bring that shit in the station. And so that was always my mindset on it I mean was is that something that you've had to have that talk or I I,
3: I have I've had that talk um, you know and, and on my side of it I've had I've had that talk but then you also have uh, the flip side where it's it's not the firefighter it's it's the spouse mm-hmm.
0: that did oh. something
3: and so you're having I mean they're they're Bringing it to the station because they're down. Mm. I mean, you know, they're down. They're they're coming to work and working for their family and their spouses out doing whatever. Oh shit! Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. So there <laughs> so I'm, I've dealt with that side of it and I've dealt with the other side of it where the guy was messing around. But the ultimate thing is, it doesn't matter. You know, everybody says my time's my time. It, it is, and you can do that in a big department. People don't know you. Whatever. The smaller the department, everybody knows your business.
0: <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's smaller even, the town. Period. And I'm yeah. not even yeah, and I'm not <laughs> even
3: talking about in the department. I'm talking about if, if if you're messing around, then somebody sees it. That's a direct reflection on the department as a whole, oh,
0: and absolutely. the people yeah. that
3: you work with. Like so. You know, it doesn't – anything you do – and I'm talking about anything. Like, uh, if you're screaming and hollering at a basketball game, acting a fool in the bleachers.
0: That yeah, you're, they, that, you're that fan.
3: That is a <laughs> direct reflection of the department because they know that you work there. And I'm not saying that because I'm a company man or anything like that. That's just reality. Like,
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, fireman get gets bat- in trouble, and the first thing they put on the front page of the paper is firefighter gets arrested for whatever the fuck. Like it's oh. never just Joe Blow gets ready. It's yeah. always firefighter yes. arrested.
3: And it's always the city's firefighter. The yeah. city fire department. This department.
2: Every time. Yeah, right. oh, I I mean so. and that's a lesson I had to learn. Uh, you know, luckily it wouldn't it didn't end up costing me anything per se, but that's that was a harsh reality throughout my maturity that I definitely like yeah, you know, you're at the bar, you're drinking, you get in the truck and drive home. Well everybody at that fucking bar knows that you you're a fireman at you know that hometown department, whatever. So,
3: yeah. yeah next you, week you're at the school telling their kids, "Hey, drinking and driving is bad." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of. Uh,
2: I mean, it's hypocritical for sure. Um, you know, in this whole show, uh, and in this series, we're running on on uh, you know morals and manhood and all that kind of stuff. That's that's really that's the shit to us that. That guys really got to get in check. You know, we are all twenty one. We're all twenty two. We all acted a fool, did stuff that probably ain't proud of, and our mamas probably don't need to know about. But when you put a badge on,
3: you're held to a different standard. Absolutely, and it also falls on the, the senior guys, mm-hmm. like like myself, because you know we're talking about upbringing and things like that are different. It's different these days. Mm-hmm. But if. Again, I said it earlier, if, if you don't share with the younger group how to be a man or how to have morals or how to respect your spouse or whatever, then, you know, you can't fault them when they mess up.
2: Yeah, especially when
3: TV, and you know,
2: every TV show out there is telling them, oh, all the firemen, it's having soap opera at the station and they're all sleeping with each other and uh, the hot chick on shift and i mean that shit's all over the tv but
3: that's not it's not how it's really supposed no, to be no. yeah no and that's a that's a misrepresentation of of how the fire service is like mm-hmm. uh, we preach and breed the family atmosphere yes some people get caught up in the in the limelight of everybody wants a fireman <laughs> you know everybody wants one until they get one and they realize they're gone every third day or 48 hours at a time and they're like well, what do I do while they're gone at work you know so, yeah, yeah. so they all want one until they get one and then then there creates a riff well then this person starts doing this this person starts doing that and and then it's all brought to light in, yeah. in your house you
1: know? <laughs> so. so going back to your marriage so that being married 22 years as well as being in this career is a pretty um, substantial thing. So how did you even balance all that, you know, raising kids and stuff like that? And I'm sure there's probably no right answer to that, but
3: yeah, you're right. And to each person, you know, everybody's different. For me and my wife, we, we just shared everything. Like, I will say this: I do not bring the perils of our job. To the house, and I, I we got into knockdown dragouts over that. Like, I know it's it's good to talk about you know the stuff you've seen at work. You know that's the stuff I'm talking about. I didn't bring that home because I chose this profession. I get paid to deal with that stuff. They did not. Yeah, they're along for the ride. So. um but we share responsibilities. We, you know, I mean, you just, you just gotta man up. Like, uh, I've worked side jobs and I've not worked side jobs. And if I'm not working a side job, then guess what? My kids get out of school at three o'clock. My wife works. Guess who's going to get them? Me.
2: Oh, so it's, you're not like cutting out and going fishing on all your days off and leaving the shit with your wife?
3: No. Like, like <laughs> I, as a matter of fact, I take this other than the days that I work. I take my kids to school every morning, and I pick them up every afternoon. Cause I'm off. Yeah, <laughs> they're my kids. But uh, you know, so we're, we're not. I'm. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you we've been perfect for 22 years. Uh, you know, we've had financial ups and downs, um, and you just got to work through it. And you got to understand that that's not what made you, made y'all, y'all. Yeah, it doesn't define you. It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. There's things you've got to work through. You've got to work, figure out how to make extra money or how to pay this bill or whatever. Um, now, uh, I had, you know, when I came into the fire service, I, I had a child. I was paying child support, and I was making 10 whopping dollars an hour. <laughs> running and burning buildings, boy, that was a good. Uh, I was gonna say, I know <laughs> exactly what that when I started it was like nine something an hour. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, the financial burden was there. Now it's gotten better. It's yep. gotten better over the years. I mean, uh, cities are realizing, hey, we got to pay these guys more. We're not gonna keep them. Um, look at what they do, and so that has has gotten a lot easier. Um, but just just sharing things working with each other like that's all I can preach like you you came together before everything else now I say that you had the fire department job before your wife yeah but I mean I was open and honest with her and I I mean I
2: I wasn't probably the most tactful about it because I'm not the most tactful person I'm pretty damn blunt (laughs) to my own demise but I mean I was like hey I was a fireman before you you know don't don't think I'm going to change that shit just because you you know you don't like the shift or you don't like this or you don't like that and she was completely like I understand that.
3: And that's the thing's that's the conversations you got to have before yeah, you get married before cuz if they can't deal with it then don't get married because you're going to be gone mm-hmm. for 48 hours at a time or or 24 hours at a time or whatever and sometimes and they got it all. Yeah. They got yeah. the
2: whole load. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think a lot of, you know, just from my experience, so, you know, guys that I know that were married, their, their wives and stuff, they don't realize like that, you really are fucking gone. Like they got all the laundry, all the dishes, all the kids, all the driving, everything.
3: And you got to have those conversations that it's not just my shift day. Snowmageddon, I was gone a week. Yeah. You know, there's, there's times, hurricanes, <laughs> we were deployed to Houston for two weeks at a time. Like I'm gone. Yeah. And guess what? When the shit's gonna happen, at your house. <laughs> you're gone. Yeah, I was gonna Always, say that. Never every time. fails. Never. You can talk to my wife right now. It's like if, <laughs> if the air conditioner is gonna go out, it's not gonna go out today or tomorrow. It's gonna go out Saturday when I'm on duty. <laughs> that's like, a fact. You know, and like it just—that's just the fact of life. And they, you know, if they can't grasp that fact before you get married, as, as blunt as I can be, don't do it. Oh yeah because it's just going to create problems that you're not going to be able to get out of. Yeah. It'd be quicksand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me and my wife, we had hardships from the start. So I met her, you know, before my second deployment to Afghan. So went through all that, came back, then went straight to the fire service. So <laughs> she hasn't caught a break yet, really. I mean, but, you know.
3: but see, she's, she's grown with you along uh, the way. Absolutely. So is my wife, like, along the way. Like, we've been in this together because we were engaged. Obviously, we didn't, like get married in a week and you know we were engaged <laughs> when i was started this job and we got married when i came off probation like the day after i came off probation we got married damn a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so back then it was only six month probation oh, okay
1: well that's but, stuff you don't think about getting into the fire service or like even thinking about the job because a lot of times you're young you're not even having marriage on your mind and that's hmm. kind of a challenge you experience way after you've already became invested into this job you know, so
2: yeah. Or it's an impulsive, yeah. You know, let's get married. You know, we're all about each other and this, that and the other, but you're not looking at the true weight of really what that entails on both ends. I mean, it's yeah. I, my hat's off to like fire wives and and military wives and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a special place in heaven for all of them because they, they carry a weight that most people have no idea of. And, you know, getting into the fears, you know, that, that is one thing that has been a learning curve, uh, You know, I've tried really hard, uh, majority of, of my marriage and everything, you know, I pop a fire and I text her, you know, Hey, got a fire. Love you. That way there's something there. She knows, you know, that I'm going to something, but then she also, there's that last line of contact because this fucking job is real. I mean, it's, it can happen. Bad shit can happen anytime, anytime you leave that station. So I always try to make sure that I leave that little last thing, uh, just to give that connection and, and everything, but it does with the wrong, with the wrong woman that would send them through on the fear factor or whatnot. So you got to really explain that. Like I'm doing this basically out yeah. of honor for you. Yeah. Um, so that you know that I guess you did cross my mind before I had to go get into this shit. Yeah. but that goes the
3: other way too. Yeah. Because, you know, it's different for you. Your job's ours the other way. Yeah. And, and you live here and work in Morgan Longview, but I was stationed at Station Four. My primary district for car wrecks was where my house was. Yeah. Like all of the places that my family typically drives. So every time I went to a car wreck. Oh yeah.
1: Did you think about that? Yeah. I
3: absolutely. was like, hey, uh, hey, where you at? It's easier now because you know they got apps and stuff. You you know, <laughs> wherever I can just pull it up and say, oh, they're not there. They're not in that area. But that that on the flip side, for yeah. us like anytime I went to a wreck on this road my first instinct was where where's my family at this time of day you know mm. oh my kids are still at school or my wife is at work and nobody's supposed to be in that area so it lightens you know because it I mean that's, oh, for that's sure. a real reality and and that's something you got to deal with if you roll up and it is your family you you and as a supervisor I got to recognize that like Hey, that's his family. You come over here with me. Like, we, we need to do something different because mm-hmm. I don't need you emotionally involved right up there.
1: Has that happened to you before?
3: Uh, we have a guy that works. He, he's, he's on my shift now, but I wasn't with him when that happened that he rolled up on his, his grandparents wow. in a car wreck. Wow. Yeah. That's, and so that, that's, that's a reality, too. And a lot of people don't realize that. They think we just go to work and we're there to save them. Well, our family lived here too, mm-hmm. and we have to deal with that stuff. So, yeah, and
2: especially if you live where you have a super extent, like yours and mine, we got <laughs> tons of family in this area. That's a real that's a real reality. Wow. Uh, I was gonna say one of the most probably memorable car wrecks I actually have um, was that that scenario. Get down there, get cutting on a car. Somebody decided to launch their ass off the uh, Grand Parkway in Houston. You know, everybody's doing 85-90 on that sucker and she went off that. Anyways, ended up being a, a firefighter friend of mine. It was his ex-girlfriend that was from here. And she moved down to Houston. And, you know, we're getting down there and everything. Roll the head back. And I'm like, holy fuck, I know this person. And, I mean, it's just, yeah, you, boom, it hits you like a ton of bricks. And then you're trying to process that shit because then, you, you know, you're having to get them out of the car and do all that mess. But then you're like, you know, the cops can't find it. So they're trying to get an identification. And you're like... Well, I know her. and then, so it sends you down a whole emotional roller coaster. Uh, yeah, that's a very real, real fear for somebody that is doing this job. Um, I hadn't really thought, and tried, you know, thought about it like that or anything, but I, I do remember making that run and it just being like a ton of bricks hit me, um, and I couldn't imagine if that was my wife or my kid or whatever. I mean, your kids are driving now, so <laughs> that's that's an even bigger fear.
3: Oh, they hate it. <laughs> they like, absolutely had it. Like my son, when he started driving, I had I said, "Look, I'm I'm paying for the gas. I'm paying for the insurance. You go this way. I do not want you driving on that section of road." Because mm-hmm. he he had a girlfriend at the time that lived, you know, out in the county. But that particular section of road was dangerous. Like all the wrecks have uh, like all my gears every, every wreck probably. One out of three wrecks that I go to on that road was a fatality. Oh, shit. And I'm like, I don't know if that's an actual stat, but that's what it seems like. Every time I go up there, there's there's a fatality wreck. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't drive it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. If it costs me an extra $10 in gas for you to go around the other way, go that way. Yeah, NAC's kind of notorious for the mountain wrecks we have around here. Oh, hell yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, like
2: 226. <laughs> I mean, that sucker was it's that
3: section of 259 north of Cushing Y. Oh, yeah, between uh, there and, and well, everybody's like, doing a fucking hundred miles an hour through there, but it's a it's a it's a four lane road, no shoulder, no center lane, and it seems like every time we go to a wreck up there, somebody mm. is messed up, and I'm like, you're not driving, I don't care yeah that's you're not driving but <laughs> I'm not looking
2: forward to that luckily i don't have it. none of my girls are driving yet, so
3: They will, and it'll catch up to you quick. You think that nine-year-old ain't going to be driving soon? (laughs) (laughs) She's already wanting to. I'm like, man. You don't realize that that's only only about five or six years away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And working like
2: we do, that's even quicker.
1: Yeah. You know, going back to talking with your wife out, you don't bring anything from work back home. See, for me and Heath, it's kind of a little bit different because our wives are nurses, you know, and they do experience something in the same nature. So that's kind of beneficial for us that we can kind of come home and decompress, you know, what we talk about and what we see. So I can see that being a problem as well. Cause I tell pretty much anything that bad happens at work. I do tell my wife and she understands it because she's a nurse. She's seen it and whatnot. And same for you, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We talk, uh, yeah, I would mainly. So when we got together, uh, it was during the COVID pandemic. Yeah. So we're, we're bouncing our, our COVID stats. Like y'all seeing this shit? Cause this is what we're seeing and then when you're looking on the news they're saying something different so we were doing a lot of that because really our uh, our call volume changed a lot pretty much every i mean you know everything was covid no matter what it was all covid if it was a medical call so we we uh we definitely still talked a good bit about that but I've never personally I've never been that one that really talks a whole lot about uh you know all the the nasty and gnarly yeah. calls and everything that's just something I kind of don't. Talking about it doesn't necessarily make me process it. Now, what I'm guilty of, of bringing home to my wife is the fucking frustrations of the bullshit. <laughs> uh, that poor woman, She uh, if she was my shrink, I'd be a broke son of a bitch because she would charge the hell out of me. Uh, that And that's something that um, you know, I mean, probably even through like your promotional processes and stuff, you're coming home and having a uh, yeah, like give, give the you know the lowdown on that and everything. Um, I mean, all of that stuff is that it can be pretty stressful.
3: And it can like she's been with me along the way on all the promotional stuff, so that that stuff's easy to talk about with her because she's smarter than me. And so <laughs> <laughs> like when it comes to some of that stuff, like she's just like, well, look at it like this or look at it like that, and I'm like, oh, okay, that that makes sense. Did you but, make every time you tested? uh no, no, the first time I tested for battalion chief i mean i I was fresh into the, the whole shift supervisor fill in spot stuff and uh there was some some senior senior guys oh okay they they were they
0: made they yeah. made over you yeah well, uh, I say I,
2: that to me that would seem like that would be a little difficult to come home and and uh have to explain like hey i didn't didn't make it. No, yeah, I didn't so... Know, I didn't know she... If you had to have that
3: talk. Now, No, I will say this. On my captain's promotion, I tested. I made the first time, but they had two spots. And I got beat. Oh, okay. I got beat. and uh, Which was shocking, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the guy that beat me. But back then, we gave seniority points and things like that. Oh. You want to talk about a kick to the nuts? Um, in my promotional process... They posted the results. I was first. Then they called and said, hey, we forgot to add uh, the seniority points. Oh, shit. So they added seniority points, and I was still first. I said, okay, (laughs) great. Then they realized that they did one of the the mathematical equations. They divided by, uh, let's see, they divided by two, and it should have been three, or they divided by four, and it should have been three because there was, three evaluators. Okay. So they messed the, the mathematical, and I went from first to third. Oh. And there's two I, spots. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay. You know, and it was, that's a defining moment. Yeah. So you think about it, so that happened, and the way you respond to that is kind of like y'all are talking about when you're a probing, the things you do sets the tone. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I was... I was told by by the chief. He was like, hey, you know, we messed up. If you want to punch me, you can. And I was like, you know, I, yeah, of course. I was mad, but that's a, if I'd have punched him, what do you think would have happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he told me I could, but I mean, <laughs> that's a defining moment. And, I, I, and my words that came out of my mouth next was, was a defining moment, I, I feel like because he was brand new his first order of business was this promotion mm. and i said you know look mistakes happen i get it i'm glad you were honest with me and didn't tell me hey you know you 100 percent got it and then two weeks later you got to take it back that that would have pissed me off but this was all in the same day oh, okay. and and I was going to say, I was going to ask you how long you had to wait for that error to be caught. It was was all, it was like, so when they posted the results, they did two corrections that same day. And he actually came to my station and sat down across the table from me to have the conversation with me that, Mm. hey, we, we screwed up on the math. So that set the tone for me because he was man enough to sit across the table from me and say, hey. We fucked I was about up. I'd say that's fucking you know respectable. That's very you know, respectable. And and <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah. but fortunately for me, the guy that beat me, they got second. Apparently, his life goal was to beat me on a test because after he beat me on a test, he quit. So what
0: the fuck? So <laughs> oh shit! I beat him on the
3: driver's <laughs> test, and then he finally beat me on a captain's test. Oh okay, but whatever. It didn't matter. But here's here's the next part of that story. There was two captain spots. One was in the office and one was on the rig. And so when I was doing my chief's interview for the position, he asked me, he sat me down and he said, what if the position you're offered is in the office? And my heart sank. Like it just went, like all the (laughs) life left me. I was just like, no. And and he, I think he wanted to see my reaction, and I just told him, I said, you know, that's not where I want to be. But I guess if I want to be a captain, then that's what I got to take. If that's what if that's what I want to do, that's what I got to take. Needless to say, he offered me the rig. So <laughs> nice, <That's laughs> but good. I think he was just fucking with me, like <laughs> very well could have been, yeah, <laughs> but, but very well could have been. But boy, I tell you, it, I'm talking like. It was like poking a balloon. Like, I just went, done. Like, I do not yeah, don't know. Yeah, because you don't... I
2: mean, as slow as... Y'all don't have that, a whole lot of retirement. You don't have a whole lot of retirement. You've been in an office for an undetermined amount of time. Mm-hmm. Miserable. And, and for somebody that wants to still be kicking doors down, yeah, that's... I'd
3: be scared of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be way scared of that. I, yeah, I did not want it. I did not want to go in the office. And fortunately, he didn't offer me the office job. He offered me the, the job online. So it worked out yeah how
2: <laughs> well how uh you know how'd your wife feel whenever you came home
3: with that when i came home with the captain job i mean she was she's like what do you mean they messed up and I like she was mad and don't get me wrong she gets just as invested in this stuff as i do like <laughs> uh, you know and of course you know she's my wife so she thinks that i should get all the spots, Like <laughs> whatever, like you, you're the best one for the job, but you know, sometimes the reality is you, you might not be the best one for the job and, and it is what it is, but, um, she was bitter, but you want to talk about, uh, being a team being, you know, together through this process. I've never seen anyone with so much elation or, or happiness on their face, whenever I called her and told her that uh, that I made bat chief, that made it worthwhile. Like, uh, like when I called her, she uh, she couldn't believe it. Like, it was, I mean, she could. She's like, well, of course she got it. You know, but yeah, no. The, when I got home, her and the kids had actually made a a uh, poster board. Oh, that's cool. They that said that's cool. congratulations, battalion chief Black. Like, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, it, it was nice yeah. but it was you know we've been in this process together for a long time and she's invested as much into the, into this job as I have because she has the sacrifice and mm-hmm. you know and it's it is a team effort so and a lot of the young guys don't understand that like it's it's fun and games and you know these young girls love the fact that you get on that fire truck and all this <laughs> stuff, you know but and, and that's that's exciting and all but you got to tighten up where it's time to tighten up and mm-hmm. and and you know take care of your stuff and your business and make sure everything's squared away before you come into that building you know yeah,
2: yeah i gotta say there's no doubt in my mind that uh you studying for those tests and all that kind of stuff she she definitely picked up the slack and and gave you that ability to, you know, have some book time and, and, uh, even going through your school to make all your qualifications to be able to test that. I mean, I took the same program you did and that shit wasn't, wasn't
3: easy. (laughs) Absolutely. But again, you know, we're fortunate. Yeah. It's all about, uh, time management. You know, uh, when I had downtime at the station, I worked on my school stuff. Mm. Fortunately, you know, my wife works, my kids go to school, so during the day, rather than sitting on my butt and watching TV or whatever, I would carve out a certain amount of time to work on my schoolwork, or I would wait until they all went to bed. Okay. So I didn't want. I wanted. I wanted to do my schoolwork. I wanted to get that degree. One, I wanted to show my kids, hey, it doesn't matter. You can still get a degree. Yes. It's an associate's degree, but I don't discount it because I still had to take classes to get it. Yeah, no shit. You know? and they weren't. And they I got, really weren't. And eating. I got both of them, so I have a, a, a degree, an associate's degree in uh, fire science technology and fire administration. So I did, I did both of them because I needed, but I wanted both of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just, I just had to make a sacrifice for myself because it was for me. They shouldn't suffer. Yeah. So, I did it during the school day. I did it after they all went to bed, or I did it on duty, and and it worked. And I just didn't bite off more than I can chew. Yes, I wanted it right now. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm that guy. Like it, I, I would have signed up for every class if if I had the time to do it. But I started with uh, I started with two classes. The first semester or whatever and they were pretty easy and I was like okay well I had a third one so I had a third one and it was tough to juggle all of it so I was mm-hmm. like no I backed off oh, okay
0: I back back down to
3: two I because they kind of overloaded mine <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when I did that I backed back down to two so that it wasn't interfering with, okay. with the other stuff
2: so would you been able to make that same that I mean that's a very mature decision is what I'm getting at but would you be able to make that same decision as a you know twenty two twenty four twenty five year old or was that because you were older and already a dad and having to kind of
3: i think I think uh I probably would have been a little more hasty the younger I was but um, I think as i as I got older I, I realized that you know hey it's not their fault that I drug my feet I mean I went to college after after high school and I played. Like, <laughs> I screwed around. It's not their fault. Right. You know? So, when I decided to go back, I was doing it for a specific reason, to get that degree so that I'd be eligible for promotion. And uh, so, I had to be mature about it. It yeah. was forced maturity. Um, had I had to make the same decision as a young guy, if it was forced maturity, yeah, I would have. But just... Hey, I'm riding the back seat, you know, tailboard, whatever. I'm having a big time. Nah, (laughs) I probably wouldn't have made that same decision. But you don't want to be greedy to your family, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you know, and your time is more valuable to them than anything else you do. Mm -hmm. So I still coached my daughter's volleyball team. I was coaching. I coached my son in baseball when he was coming up, you know, um, and so I didn't want my goals and ambitions to be a thief of their time. That's pretty real. So, yeah. So that—that's where I was. Um, well, and that's truthfully, that's probably
2: what's really added to the success of your marriage as well. I mean, that if you were like, no, you know, I can't—I can't help you do that shit. I got—I got to do this. Well, you're working overtime all the time.
3: Well, you're working overtime. Yeah. They're already giving you up every third day, or every. 48-hour, I don't know what you all shifts are. 44-48. Okay, so you're, every third day, they're giving you up. So they want you on the the two days you're off. So you just got to keep that in mind and, and just remember that you won't be here all the time. So give them what you got. Now, you know, I don't know if that's because of my upbringing. I don't know if that's just life experience. I, I, I really don't know. But, you know, my parents my, I, I was raised by a single mom My dad, you know They would separated when I was two And, you know, he, he lived in, 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 uh, On an island for a while And, you know And I got to visit him and, and he was a dad to me But My mom was there So, like, she had to work Full time and take care of us And stuff, so I did a lot of stuff on my own
0: that's
3: why i got such a late start in life because i was freelancing for a long time (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we know something about
2: that well let's uh let's take a break real quick and uh we'll come back and uh, i want to dive in we we kind of talked a little bit about it but i want to dive in as financial stuff um you know you and i have been kind of in the business world a little bit uh, together and then Gunner and I are in the business world, so we're going to talk a little bit about firefighter and financials. But let's take a quick break. All right. All right, and we're back. Um, well, before we took a little break, we had to uh, take a little take a little beer break. Uh, but uh, we talked that we were going to we're going to dive in a little bit on on finances and stuff with firefighters. You know, that's something that I I personally have noticed a lot and uh, and dealt with and. And I feel like it's kind of the more expensive shit gets in in the United States and, um, you know, with inflation every, all that stuff that's going on. But just overall, you know, you, you joke that you start off at $10 an hour. You know, I started off a little bit less than that right there, you know, around the same. But you could buy a truck back then for $20,000 for a nice truck. Now a fucking new truck is 80 grand. Um, you know, st- finances are not what they were 20 years ago. It's it's hard to stomach. And really, our pay hasn't gone up a whole lot. Um And so I've seen year after year people promoting, you know, people jumping into roles because they have that financial burden at the house because, you know, they're married, their kids are in select softball, their kids are in fucking dance, all this other stuff like my kids are. And so you have those financial burdens of all these bills and all this stuff. You still got to have a house. You still got to have vehicle notes. Uh, You know, your wife may or may not have a, a very significant income. so. It lands on you, and there was like, "Well, you only work ten days a month, so that leaves you a huge opportunity where you either are working a shitload on a side job that's fire department or EMS related, or you're running a business on the side, you know, trying to build that." Um, And it just there's a lot of room for error that I see as far as far as for firefighters, a one making bad decisions financially, uh, overextending their ass. And then they, instead of making responsible promotional decisions or uh, responsible decisions, you know, in, in a side job or, or whatever you want to call it, they uh, they make impulsive decisions or a desperation decisions. And, like, one of the biggest things that I've preached for fucking years now is don't ever take a promotion for money. Because if you do that shit and... and I know that from experience. That's why it's not just me, you know, being mean to people or any shit like that. You get yourself in a bind where then you're relying on fuck. I got to make that eighty thousand dollar captain pay, or I'm going to lose my fucking house. Well, then you start playing the fuck fuck games that everybody know goes on with fire departments. Of you don't play by this rule, you don't play by that rule. You get your PP slapped, and then you're on the the road out the door because you know you didn't do something right. By somebody with cross bugles or whatever it is, and then you uh, you lose that ability to kind of stay true to who you are, and that's our whole our whole brand. You know, as misfits, we're kind of we're not the norm anymore. You know, the guys, the fucking alphas that are like, man, fuck you, dude. I'm not. No, I'm not selling out. This job is what this shit is. This is why we do this. We're here for the community. We're here for the citizens. You don't really sense that a lot. There's not the the people that are standing up saying no to to chiefs that are chiefs that are making bad decisions, um you know whether hell they might be in their own financial mind. you know I know some chiefs that I've talked about and stuff that promoted way too quick now they're in that hundred and forty hundred and fifty thousand dollar pay range, whatever, and their bills match it, but they don't they're not vested on their retirement. they can't retire, so now their bills are glued to that shit they can't piss off a mayor or a city council by making correct decisions by standing up for their, you know, their men uh, because now they're fucked financially. So it's just a it's a huge snowball effect that I see happening all over the place. Um, and I just really kind of want to get your, your take on that because being married over 20 years, being in this business over 20 years, you've gone up and down, and I know, you know, you you made some good financial decisions, some bad, and I just I really want to get your take on on the finances, of how these guys coming in, and then even people that are saddled with it right now, the shit that they can do to kind of correct that path where they can be a good, strong, successful, moral-driven firefighter, and finances is not part of it.
3: Yeah, so <clears throat> so a lot of departments are by design set up. Exactly what you said, um, where people are promoting for money. Because of the way they're set up, there, there's no overlap or no, you know, um, a firefighter, in order to make more money, once they reach the max on their salary, the only way they can make more money is to promote the driver. Mm-hmm. And that's how people get in those situations to where... You know, they're buying a house, they're getting married, they're doing this. Well, I need more money. The only way to get more money is to promote. So departments themselves have to restructure, you know, and we're actually in the process of it to where there's an overlap because, you know, guys that are 20-year firefighters, they may not want to be a driver, but the only way for them to make more money would be to promote, and that's not, that's not right. The department's not doing them a favor. By, by doing that. And I know they don't care, but uh, the guys themselves, when they come in, they're going, ho. Oh, man, a lot of these guys are uh, 18. You know, they come out of fire school and never had anything of their own. And now they're making a career salary. <laughs> and so they start. Well, I'm just saying. like, oh, they, I know like The first home,
2: thing you do is buy a damn new truck. They're buying a truck. <laughs> buying a truck. Uh,
3: you know, but. They've got to, you know I, know, I know they're young, but they've got to listen. They've got to have open ears because, again, the guys that came before them can share insight with them. Uh, one thing that I have done, and you know. hmm How many trucks have I had since you know me? Uno. <laughs> one.
2: <laughs> it's sitting out there in the driveway. One. I'm, I'm still ro- driving it. It's rolling like a champ, too, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's got
3: 233,000 miles on it, too, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Since I've been in the fire service, I've owned two trucks. That's it. Two. Because for me, personally, I don't want to have two car notes at the same time. And based on what we talked about before, who do you think is more important to me to get to and from where they're supposed to be?
2: Wife and kids. My wife and
3: kids. That's right. You know, so if I got to drive a truck that I've had for, you know... What fifteen years now?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: The, then that's what I got to do, that, and that's just me. That's my personal experience, and and you're right. I've, I've I've done anything and everything along the way in 22 years. I've I've had a mowing business. I've had a direct sales business. I've worked at Lowe's. Uh, I mean, you name it. I've done. I've worked side job with an ambulance. Yeah, I've I've done it. So. You don't want to put money ahead of everything else. So you, you have to make smart decisions. Um I mean we we got a guy that works at our department right now. He's he's young compared to me and he's been very smart. He works extra, he does all this, he's been saving his money, he wanted a house, he wanted some land. He just bought the land and he's been here for ten years. So you know, <laughs> he probably don't have much of a note on that, if any. No, but he he didn't want to get in too soon. He didn't want to overextend. He worked extra in order to save for his down payment, and it, and that's what it boils down to. Is people get caught up in the the glitz and the glamour of having a career, a job, and they they start buying stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I want a I want a truck. I want a boat. I want a side by side. I want this, I want that and you notice everything that I said was led with want Mm -hmm. not need you gotta replace wants with needs and then go from there Um, and it's not always easy I mean I started out behind the eight ball before I even got a fire job financially and you can ask my wife because we were dating at the time and she tried to tell me and of (laughs) course I didn't listen my whole mindset was I work to make money so that I can do the things I want to do and have the things I want to have. So I spent. And it it put me behind. Like So when I started at the fire department, I was essentially starting over. And so that's some lessons that I'm trying to teach my son. Like, start saving now. Because it wasn't until I've got a good ways into my career before things started to settle for me and I wasn't having to to stress uh, so much about, you know, paying this, buying that, having this, being able to go this place and that place. And we're, we're our own worst enemy because most of us grew up not having a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And so our first instinct is I want my kids to have the things I didn't have. And have the opportunities that I didn't have. I mean, we just went to Mexico this past summer. uh, Took the kids out of the country for the first time. Uh, You know, yeah, I got to go visit my dad on that island. But I mean, he paid for it, and I was visiting him. It wasn't going vacation. wasn't like we were loading up going to vacation. It was to us. It was a vacation, but it wasn't like we, you know, just. Took off to Mexico and spent a week. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm it's hanging like, out, Mr. Sancho, <laughs> for <me>. a <laughs> week. You know. So, and, and we are our own worst enemy because we want them to have more than we had. Absolutely. Well, with that same mindset, we have to spend more than we spent when we were kids. So, um, they, they just gotta they just gotta be smart with their money. They gotta make smart decisions. If you work a side job, oh. <laughs> For a new guy and for an old guy. Do not forget that the fire department is your primary job. So many people get in that mindset as I gotta make that money, I gotta make that money, that their side job becomes their main job and this job becomes in the way. And so you you are a firefighter first. Be a firefighter first. If that, I, and when I worked my side jobs, I worked. I worked for a company, and I told them when I got hired there. If they call me and I have to go in, I'm leaving. Right. That is my primary job, and they understood that and they were okay with it because I made it known up front. But a lot of you know a lot of a lot of firefighters have their own side business, and it does that becomes their primary business. And, and when that happens, then they're in a bind because now they're unreliable or they become unreliable as far as the department goes. Because when we need overtime, they can't work it or they can't do this. And that, not that they're required to work it. Right. Because it's overtime. You're not required to work that overtime. But, again, that creates a name for yourself, too. You know, like, hell, oh, he's never going to work we we used to you know have people that say yeah oh, he's not gonna work he's not gonna work he's not gonna work he's not gonna work,
0: not gonna work.
3: Mm-hmm. but you don't you don't want that either so you got to find that balance you got to find what what you need and don't live without don't live outside your means don't overextend yourself get the things that you need and then figure out the things that you can afford that you want
2: yeah I remember uh, coming in in fire school. Um, it, it was pretty hammered home that you're never going to get rich doing this job, and I I, I feel like that's uh, that whole mindset has kind of been lost. That I don't know if it's just not preached in fire schools anymore, or whatever, uh, or if it's just society in general with the the shit we see on TV and and everybody as a whole, you know, living on credit and buying shit that they don't they can't afford, they don't need, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's totally a fire service problem or if it's if it's just a United States problem. But um, I know that was something that was preached hard on us. Like, you're never going to get rich doing this job, so you need to basically plan your bills accordingly. Um, and something that I have learned a hard lesson from, uh, it's, not, you know, it's not as prevalent up here because we don't have a lot of you know, paid duty crew jobs around and stuff like that. But down there in the Houston area, everywhere damn near has part-time. So I know guys that are working three and four fire department jobs at the same damn time, including myself. I mean, I had two full-time fire jobs down there at the same time for an extended period of time. Um, And looking back now, financially-wise, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I didn't really gain anything because the more you make, the more you spend, really and truthfully. That's just how it works. But uh, the exposure to basically... Too much job exposure uh, hmm. takes a major toll. And I and I remember listening to some of the old heads. Um, I had a, a medic that I worked with um that won the part time jobs and she's been in the game for a long time. She was we called her uh, we called her our den mother because she she'd been in EMS at that time like forty five years. Just phenomenal. But she was a wealth of knowledge and everything like that. But she would tell all this young guy, you know, don't get burned out, don't get burned out. Oh hell, I'm fine. Twenty six years old, you're fucking fine. 26 years old, it, nothing hurts. And now looking back, um, I think that a lot of the you know the stress that I carried, I didn't necessarily show it, but I did carry a lot of stress and just ultimately it was a freaking burnout because you're going fire department, fire department, fire department, off one day, fire department, fire department, fire department, and you're doing all that shit just to make ends meet because the money is spending faster than you can stand it. Um, and I just know countless, countless people that are literally, they're caught up in that rat race. And they're shortening their own careers. Now, as far as firefighter-wise, yeah, they're getting some badass experience and get to see a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, we can put them at this table and, and talk about some really cool shit. But they're shortening their careers and the health of their careers by doing all these, you know, multitudes of, of constantly being caught up in fire and EMS.
3: Well, yeah, because you think about it, your normal shift, you put in a 20-year career. Right. If you're working two places... Ten years, you've put in a twenty-year career, because mm-hmm. you're doubling it, and and you're getting double the exposure, and you will get burnout. Like yeah, that's what I mean. Like Gunner and I joke, I joked with him on that uh,
2: on the experience show. You know, essentially, you count station time. I got the same amount of time in the station as you do. You know, with eight years of two full times, that's sixteen years. Mm-hmm. Plus the other makes twenty-two, and shit, you got some. <laughs> Some age on me and some health on me, honestly.
0: Oh,
3: whoa.
1: whoa. See? Yeah, I know. Hey, man. Man. Well, no. I
3: mean, it's right just true. Hug my neck with one arm and stab me in the back with <laughs> the other. Okay. It's a, it's a firefighter way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I really, I just think that uh, that a lot of guys, they just don't see the, uh, they're, they're almost seeing the short term on the finances stuff. Because, yeah, it, it ain't shit to go pick up. You can work a 24 at this duty crew job and make 500 bucks or whatever and then that pays a note on your boat. Well, now guess what? Every fucking month you're having to work that other job, but that puts you maybe running 15, 20 extra calls that month or pay period or whatever it ends up being, but you're running those extra calls, going without that sleep, being gone from home. Now you're causing shit. Well, your wife's like, you know, you're gone all the time. You're always gone. Well, shit, look in the driveway. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we got this nice house, and I say that because that was a huge contributing factor to a lot of the hardships that I had. Being gone all the time is not a not
3: a recipe for success. Um, no, there's sacrifice everywhere. Everywhere. So you, you either you either have to be home and sacrifice the the wants, or be gone and sacrifice the spouse or the kids or the you know the home life.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: <laughs> yeah, which one's more important? So there's, there's a trade-off, and you got you actually have to think about it. Um, but as far as uh, financial advice, I guess for a young guy, invest now, like early. Um, you know, at our department, we have a supplemental retirement, and for a long time, a lot of us just put in a set amount. Well. You can put a percentage in there. So we I changed mine. Like I changed it to a percentage. Okay. So a percentage of my check goes into my normal retirement, and then a percentage goes into my supplemental retirement. And then they tax me, and they do. And every time I got a little bump in pay, I would turn that percentage up a little bit.
2: Oh, cause so instead of it looking at like a, a raise that you could buy more shit, you looked at it as a raise I'm going to put in this other.
3: Yeah, so I'm trading things for time. So uh, if that makes sense. Oh, like it, I'm may, trading, it makes perfect I'm so trading, sense. I'm trading things for time because guess what? I don't want to work here 40 years. <laughs> Come I, on, I, you don't want to be one of these
2: guys we talked no, about on this listen, show?
3: <laughs> so, do you think about, how many 70-year-old firefighters do you see walking around? I know one. There's there's a handful, and there's there's some out there, but there's not many. No, I don't want any He's just a freaking nature badass. I mean, that's literally that, You know, I want to be able to do some stuff. I've given my life to this job. I want to be able to do some shit that I want to do whenever I retire. So I want to not have to worry about money. So, uh, and every so often you bump that. Like, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are putting the max amount in their – Supplemental Retirement, which is great, fantastic, you know. Um, and and currently, I put the same amount in my Supplemental Retirement as I do in my regular retirement. So, basically, double is coming out going into my retirement, um, just so that I'm when I leave here, I can leave here because there's there's guys, you know, all growing up. In this department, you know, can't leave till my kid gets out of college. Can't leave till this happens. Can't leave till that happens. And I get it. To each their own. And whatever your situation is, it's your situation. That's not what I want. Right. Like when I leave, I'm I'm leaving. It's not, you know, my projected time right now. When I'm eyeing, you know, (laughs) and and nobody wants to say, you know, I'm definitely leaving at this time because. You know, inflation, money is not right. You know, whatever happens, happens. You know, you may get hit with some sort of medical bill that says, medical crap, now now I have to stay a little longer because the retirement's not going to fund that. And right. every situation is different, but I don't want to be tied to, you know, I have to work here until they get out of college. Plan now. For if you don't have kids, plan for a kid to go to college. Yeah. Stick that stuff to the side, and then if they don't, if you don't have kids or you don't have college, well, guess what? You got one hell of a bonus check coming to you later on in life. But you know, make those make those decisions early in your career, and it lightens the load later in your career. Um, and you'll be able to leave when you want to leave on your terms, and not either forced out or or I can't go when I want to go. So. Yeah.
2: I, that to me, that, <laughs> that's perfect advice because uh, I, I can't even tell you the amount of people that that you you hear that yeah you know, they can't leave for this or they can't leave for that and then really they're by the time they do leave what what quality of retirement do they even have they're too damn old to really enjoy anything that's or right. you know uh, some of the big departments down south the reason why their pensions are fucking phenomenal is because the way their clause was written. You know, basically, if you don't spend it and you don't have a beneficiary, then that shit rolls back. When guys will retire. They're too damn old. They waited too long. They retire, and all their retirement money rolls back into the general fund. Mm. So, all that shit that you put in, all those years and years, 30 years, 40 years, longer, that shit rolls back to the damn city. <laughs> like, you gave enough to the city. I mean, really, that's just. But I was always one of those, I'm going to do 20 and I want to get out. That, I was never one that was going to be. 50, 60 years old, riding a fire truck—that just wasn't my, it wasn't my thing. But
3: no, I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be sixty years old riding a fire truck. I mean, now, granted, in the position I'm in, I don't have to ride a fire truck, so <laughs> it's a lot easier to get in that pickup and go. But still, you got to think about—that's wear and tear on your body. Every time the tones go off, mm-hmm. you get a shot of adrenaline. Boom, boom, boom. But I've seen guys stay in two years after they retire; they're dead. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: That's really sad.
3: That's a sad reality. Um, And it it happens, but I want to leave early enough to where I can enjoy some things, see the world, see some things, go to, like, my my theme is when I retire, I'm going to have a beer in my hand feet in the sand. Like, I want (laughs) to be at the beach somewhere.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we have that in common for sure. I want to be on a boat somewhere. But, uh, well, what is your – What's your view on, on side – I mean, I know you ran a side business because I was in on it with you, but, uh, you know, my, my thought – I know your department is different, uh, 100% different. Y'all don't, y'all don't have to deal with the level of fuckery that a lot of people across this country do with administrations and just horrible leadership and all that kind of stuff. But um, I've noticed, you know, a good friend of mine that's an that's a EO in the, uh, in the Humble area, North Houston area, um, he's running a business on the side and successful as hell. And his department had a good bit of turnover going on. Um, they, they really they were looking at him kind of moving up, but but be bottom line, there's a lot of fucker going on there too. I mean, it's, it's the Houston area and it just it happens. Um, he was having to play by a lot of games and deal with a lot of shit that was stressing him out. He was working with me as a side job. He was an EO for me and just phenomenal guy. We had some great conversations and he was just stressed out about the level of uh, the crap that was going on. And um, now he's running a really successful side business and basically now he, he's not having to rely 100% on that income and so it's given him a, a lot of freedom per se and he has that ability. Now he comes to work because he wants to, not because he has to. So when they want to start in on, you know, the bullshit or whatever, he's like, <laughs> y'all want me to leave? Because I can leave. I mean, this, I don't have to put up with this shit. And so to me, I've noticed that's a very successful route when people don't have to deal with toxic leadership and, you know, bad officers and all that kind of stuff um, because they have that financial freedom. I mean, that's what Gunnar and I are, you know, that's what we're working on and that's what we've essentially tried to shape our lives around where we have that financial freedom on the uh, – Home front to where going to work is a desire rather than a you know a need a have to. Well,
3: yeah, for sure. Like, but you have to you have to set it up that way. So, again, when you go to work at the fire department, you know my thought process: this is your job, this is your primary job. You got to handle your business. That's your primary job first. And if you start a side business, and I'm all for side business, you know uh all for anybody seeking success but set it up in a way you know obviously when you first start a business you got to grow it yourself but with that grow it in a way to where you can be away from it for your job and grow it in a way to where i mean it's hard because people are people mm-hmm. But grow it in a way to where you have somebody that can run it while you're not there. Like, and I'm not telling anybody their business, but if I if I'm starting a business and I know that I gotta be at work on this day and that day, and I know my schedule from now till eternity, as long as I'm on this same shift,
0: mm-hmm.
3: either schedule your stuff to where you're, you know, I'm on duty that day, I can't do it, or somebody can do it. While you're gone Somebody you trust It's got to be somebody you trust And somebody that, that you believe in That's not going to screw you over Because there's those people out there But you know, if you set it up that way Then it lightens the load on you You're not necessarily You're going to worry about it while you're on duty, But that's the thing You don't want that extra burden on you While you're trying to focus on Doing your job at the, at the station too So I'm all for growing, grow a business, make a gazillion dollars. (laughs) I mean, because you you're not going to get rich in the fire service. Grow that business to where when you retire, that's your retirement plan. Uh, Whatever, whatever your motive is for doing it, Mm -hmm. but grow it in a way that it can survive without you necessarily being there. And I've seen it. We got guys at at our department that have grown a business that when they're on duty, they got crews that are working and. They're not having to be there overseeing it. And that's the whole thing. That's, I mean, that transitions right into the fire service. Like, you know, you got to put trust in some people until you're burned. You know, like, I have to trust my captains. are handling their business at the station.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: If I've got to be there, same thing with the ventilation deal earlier. Like, if I got to be there, then why do I got you? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I don't need you if if I've got to oversee everything. So you got to put trust in people until they show you something different, and it and it happens, but not always. So if you're running a mowing business, you need to have somebody that can run that mower. Yeah, when you're at work, you somebody can't do that you I can want. trust. Yeah. yeah, somebody that you can trust. Or don't grow your business so big that it can't be without you for the day you're on duty. Right. Because we have guys that do that too. I Have a very good friend of mine that has a mowing business. that's just big enough. That he can handle his business on his days off, and when he's on duty, he's on duty. And so you don't you don't look at it
2: as a negative thing, like you're no, no,
3: no. Because I mean, oh, you're I, getting too good because you're making money on the side or whatever. Idle hands do the devil's work. Like firemen got skills in all kinds of stuff, and if they can use those skills on their days off, then all for it, you know, because that, that is making it you know for lack of a better term making it to where those guys don't have to work until they're 60 70 years old. Mhm. They're setting themselves up to they're investing in themselves, you know, And I'm all for that. But you got to you got to do it the right way. You got to make it to where it can survive without you for a day or two days or whatever. Or don't grow it so big that you can't handle it all by yourself or or however, you know? So just think, you know, some businesses grow so fast you can't help it. <laughs> yeah, we know yeah. something about that. <laughs> you know, they grow so fast you can't help it. However, you got to plan for that. So, if you help, I mean, wh- what's, our, what's our livelihood to plan for the worst-case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. So, when you're growing a business, I won't say it's the worst-case scenario, but if you're growing a business, worst-case scenario is it grows faster than you can handle it. Growing fast is not... I and mean, it's not terrible, but if it grows too fast for you to handle it, then it becomes a problem. Right. So, because then you're more worried about that while you're on duty than you are about being on duty. So now you're thinking about that, and you may not see that manhole you're about to walk in, or whatever. So, I know I'm all for side business. I'm all for. Anybody doing anything to better themselves, I got no problem with any of that. But just remember, this is your primary job. So when you're here, be here. And when you're not here, you know, then be at your other job. Right?
2: Yeah. I just, uh, for me, it's just the whole the whole financial freedom. It it allows you to be. It to me, it seems like it allows you to be whatever kind of firefighter you actually want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're not taking those promotions if you don't want to. I mean, if you want to ride backwards 30 years, you can. You're not having to do that stuff, you're not having to get those pay bumps and all that. So, I, I'm a huge proponent of it. And I, I just think that uh, I really wish a lot of firemen would dive more into that than trying to work, you know, extra EMS job, extra duty crew job, and all that kind of stuff. I just, at that point, you're building in yourself, you're investing in yourself. Because if a business goes successful or not, it's really on the work that you put in and you know, making sure that, that it's a good idea and you know if it's selling stuff or whatever that it's a good product, you're not there, there's a lot that goes along with that, but you're just ultimately the success of that is, is on your personal self and the team you build and the work you put in rather than going and trading hours for money.
3: Well the reason they do that is because it's a comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they know. Yeah, they're I mean. good at it. They, they know it they're good at it it's easy especially in the metroplex area or, or in the Houston area that uh, you can uh, you can get a part time job anywhere mm-hmm. everybody's hiring like you can walk up and they would say okay show up tomorrow just because they're hurting so it's, it's very easy it's comfortable they know what they're doing so they're really not getting thrust into something in the unknown territory Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, famous saying is, uh, what, what a fireman hate to change and <laughs> things stay in the same,
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know?
3: So, so, so that's why they go to those other departments because it's easy. It's, it's comfort, but it comes at a price because you're doubling your, your career basically.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh. What, uh, I know it's not, it's not necessarily on the morals of manhood topic, but uh, I mean, you see it, you've been around this, you've traveled all over the country doing trainings and schools and everything, you got contacts all over the country. I mean, you, you know what's facing the fire service as a whole right now with just the uh, you know, volunteer departments are on the major decline because people don't have the free time to be, be volunteering like they did in the 80s and 90s and before all that. Um, so a lot of communities and everything are having to go paid. There's a massive amount of development and growth in all these huge cities. Um, the, just the demand for overall paid firefighters is is through the roof. Uh, what do you... I don't know, it's kind of it, broad, but what's your view kind of on that and how to kind of shape bringing in all, all of these younger firefighters to fill all these voids and fill all these demands and keep the fire service kind of... What it's always been, but still fill all these spots. I mean, it's just—it's
3: tough because I mean the 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 people coming up are different. Uh, Gunnar talked about it. You know, it's kinder, gentler fire department now. For like, sure, you can—you can only say certain things. Like, I mean. You only say certain things and, you know, people get their feelings hurt a lot easier now. Um, so they're not wanting to come here because they see alphas and they see, um, you know, man, they're hard on you. Even through academies and stuff, you know, they, they ride them
0: mm-hmm.
3: much like the military rides them. Because when it's all said and done, just like in the military, you've got to break them down from what they know from, well, this day and age, video games and, and iPhones and, you know, you got to break them down and then build them up to what they need to be. And a lot of them can't handle that. So I, I don't know exactly how to fix it. I know we got to do better as a fire service of recruiting um, and, and getting out there and, and showing people. You know, this is what we do. A lot of it, people have realized that the glitz and glamour of firefighting, I mean, it's, it's moving more towards the medical field. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, um, we are the only one I can think of, the only career that I can think of that we work our whole career to put ourselves out of business. I mean, we do. You think about yes. it, fire codes and sprinkler systems and, and the, you fire know. Fire prevention and that, All that stuff. Yeah. We work our whole career. And that will never go away because you're always going to have fires. You're always going to have, you know, medical calls and stuff like that. But we work our whole career to put ourselves out of business.
0: hmm
3: And that's just the nature of the beast. So the glamour of, hey, I'm going to fight fire, is not as prominent now as it was because they're realizing that a lot of it is in the medical field and if that doesn't interest them then you're not going to get them
0: right
3: well, we're fortunate because we don't run the ambulance and so <laughs> we get to play and then load them up in that box and then they take them off and, and take them to the hospital But so we're a little different but we don't have the turnover so there's, the opportunity for somebody to come here is not as prominent right um, so that's, that's really kind of where it's at. But um, with that being said, every time you're out in the public, you need to be mindful that you're out in the public. Because they are looking, they look at you. And if you're walking around miserable, or you're walking, they're not going to be attracted to the fire service. Uh, but if you're there and you are part of that crew and you show up and you're happy and y'all are joking around, they're like, man. I want to be part of that. Like yeah, that's, that looks, that looks, so looks bad. fun. You know, that looks fun. Like you know, but and we know because we're on the inside. It doesn't matter what happens. It does not matter what happens. We can get as bitter as as we want to be. But when that bell rings, we're going to get up. We're going to get on that truck. We're going to respond. We're going to respond as a family, as a crew, and have a good time. You know, but. That's, you know, what you're doing while you're out and about, what is the public's perception? And that's going to dictate how many people want to come to you. So,
2: yeah, it's a very, very valid point. I uh, I totally see that because it's uh, the on-scene stuff is so publicized nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're joking off air, like. Everything in this town that you have to deal with in the fire department is on the news and in the paper, and with you know the news and stuff being the way that it is now, it's on Facebook and all that stuff. It's on social media ever before it's you know broadcast at six or ten o'clock that night. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's definitely a totally different ball game, and everybody sees it. Um, what's your take on with the rapid amount of growth promotions? all that kind of stuff, I mean, how do we as a fire service and how do we as you know, like-minded people that are really in this business for the right reasons, what do we do about the, the turd leadership? I mean, what?
3: Well, unfortunately, <laughs> you have to outlast them, to be honest. I mean, that's God's honest truth because you have to outlast them. They're not going to be here forever, and you got to keep that in your mind, your mindset, that you know no matter what they do i'm going to be here longer than they are and i refuse to let somebody steal my joy like i'm gonna i'm gonna be me i'm gonna have a good time i like my job i've done it 22 years i still love coming to work um now don't get me wrong when i'm off Every now and then, I got to look at my retirement and say, Yeah, man, yeah, I got to go back. But,
0: <laughs> but,
3: but I, I, still, I still like getting up and coming to this job. Um, fortunately, most of the leadership that's there, you're not, you're not going to change their mindset. But as a young person coming up, you can change the culture. Mm-hmm. But it's up to you. Because when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter to the person that doesn't like you or the way you do things. What matters is the way you do things, carry yourself, and the legacy that you're creating to replace them. Because eventually, they will push on. What's going to be in the next spot? So somebody asked me a question one time. You know, um, you know, what are your thoughts on people that step over people to? Get promotions and things like that, and my response was, "I don't have to step on people to get where I need to be, to look good. If I treat people right and do the right thing, those people will lift me up." So that's that's kind of the mindset that I have. So, like, if I treat my my men and women good on my shift, then when I'm not around and they're talking to the chief or whoever. I don't have to worry about what they're going to say because I'm treating them the right way. I'm doing the right thing for by them. And that's my leadership. It's not necessarily everybody's leadership, but if if you want to change that culture, you got to be the change. It's just like at your station. If something's broke at your station, it does not matter one bit to the people at City Hall they're not having to live there. but it does matter to you and the guy that comes on after you and the next guy and you're gonna fix it. Now that's a blessing and a curse because you end up in a situation where
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
3: know you're in a bad situation around you because for years you've fixed it yourself, right but but bad leadership, it's going to be bad leadership, and you're you're not going to change them. But if you do the right thing and you're doing right by your people, you can sleep at night. So eventually they'll leave. You take over. Fuck
2: them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, I mean, that's 100%. That's what this whole Tailboard Misfits is about, uh, is, is coaching the people that want to listen and, and the next generation – on how shit should be.
3: Yeah. Be the change you wanna see. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah, so. it's
1: all about starting that culture from the bottom, it letting it grow to the top.
2: Absolutely. Well Gunner, you got anything close? No, man, that sounds good. <laughs> all right. Well, uh Sean, we we love having you on, man. It's yeah, hey, been a good time. Yeah. Thanks for
3: having me. It was it was fun. It was good it was a good day, I
2: guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh I just really appreciate it. It's it's really cool to me that uh for you to be on here and just you know, just threw out everything as far back as I can remember from enrolling in fire school and all that kind of stuff and everything. You just always kind of been there. So it's cool as shit to me that, that we're still here. Um, But anyway, well uh, folks, that's a wrap on that one. Y'all follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. Um, The uh, podcast is live on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google podcast. Um, We are building a channel on YouTube uh, we've, we've gotten all the stuff and everything. We're getting it all set up to start doing some, uh, some video podcast and, and really expanding. Uh, really, the demand and growth of this has been phenomenal. And, and it's kind of exploded a lot quicker than, <laughs> than what we were expecting. So, we're growing as fast as we can and trying to learn all, all of this ins and outs of podcasting and everything. So, um, it's a lot going, but the, the video is coming and um, we're working on that. We'll let you know whenever that stuff's live. Um, but, yeah, y'all just continue to share, get the good word out and uh, we'll see y'all on the next one. All
1: right, yeah, I want to talk about the clothing real quick. So we're about six weeks away till max to having the stuff on the website. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out, and uh, I got a, about a three-phase evolution of different clothing coming out, and there's a lot of cool stuff. So be prepared to see that. I know the website doesn't have anything on it, but uh, we're still under construction for that. So just bear with us. It's coming. I got the hats in today, and so I'm about to go have
0: those printed and whatnot. So all right, guys. All right, we'll see y'all.